Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Well, there's been a bit of argy-bargy on the share markets in America over this last week when a bunch of day traders set to take on Wall Street, particularly the hedge funds who were shorting stock on GameStop, amongst others. Well, for a day or two, it created uncertainty across the border share market, but it didn't take long for things to bounce back. So was there anything wrong with what they did or how the Robinhood retail platform responded when they stopped any more buying of shares? Who were the good guys and the bad guys in the Reddit Rebellion. I'm Phil Dobby, and we'll look at that today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. Welcome along. So what about this Reddit forum taking on the hedge funds, the Wall Street Bets forum on Reddit, which has gone from, incidentally, one and a half million followers to five million in pretty short order. And they drove up the price of GameStop shares, which had been around $88 to 470 in just a couple of days. Uh, and then it fell to around 300 I think it's still quite a bit more than that originally $88 value. So it, it stayed overvalued, you'd have to assume. Maybe at the time for a bit more short selling uh, to go on. Uh, so can you beat Wall Street and should you is the question we're asking you today. Steve, we, we spoke about short selling a long time ago on this podcast and you actually defended it. You said it was actually you thought it was good for price discovery because it brings overvalued stocks back to where they probably should be. So do, do you still hold that view? No, I mean, I've got a, a, a slight sympathy for short selling. I don't see them as, uh, you know, people who should be exterminated, which is the attitude that some um, market commentators and some share owners as well, of course, have towards short sellers. Uh, but to, to me, the, what I should want happening on the stock market is raising new capital for new ventures. And that's the last thing mm. that uh, actually happens with uh, the market at the moment. And the short selling is just a correction for the well, not even a correction. It's 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 a battleground between the bulls and bears over different stocks. Yeah, and um, it's it, it's moderately useful, but it'd be far more useful if we abolished the whole, or not abolished the whole bloody lot, but made it secondary, made the secondary market secondary to the primary market when the primary market barely even gets a gets a breath yeah. on on Wall Street days in terms of raising capital for new ventures. Yeah, absolutely, and we've spoken about that a lot, haven't we? As well, you know, the mm. people feel like they are helping a company. In fact, on that uh, on that bulletin board i read mm. one comment from someone saying uh, you know that uh, that the that the hedge funds are bringing down the value of these companies and that is uh, meaning lots of people in those companies will be out of work which of course is not the case because it's the secondary market it's going to make no difference whatsoever to gamestop absolutely irrelevant unless they've got some of their own shares they can sell yeah. back into the market yeah and uh, you know yeah it's just, it's all one speculator fighting against another speculator and mm. uh, what what i like about it is it makes a total mockery of the way that now classical economists look at the market because I mean one of my favorite pieces of delusional bullshit and the history of economics is this quote from uh, William Sharp who gave us the capital assets pricing model that says that uh, effectively markets are efficient markets find the right price for everything and he would do he built this 
typical neoclassical, uh, moderately elaborate model of an individual um, uh, investor who had uh, preferences for returns, which of course is a good, but against risk, which is a bad, and therefore you put your your indifference curve between the two goods uh, in, in a different shape to you when you look at you know, apples versus oranges. Uh, and then he had an idea of a risk-free asset as well that you could buy, and then you could buy you could have leverage or not have leverage, yada yada yada. Great model of one person. Mm. Then he had to extend it to the entire economy. And he said, oh, I will assume, quote from this point on, homogeneity of investor expectations. Investors are assumed to agree on the prospects of various investments, the expected values, standard deviations and correlation coefficients described in part two, end quote. In other words, he fantasizes that the entire Reddit thing is impossible because everybody agrees with everybody else and nobody, there's no price arbitrage whatsoever, which is complete utter crap. And it's wonderful to see this, uh, this particular episode showing what actually goes on in stock markets, but, but making it accessible to the public as well. But I'm sure, you know, a lot of people would say, well, okay, this is fine. All it's doing is demonstrating the market working. And it doesn't really matter who's buying and who's selling, whether it's uh, Wall Street or whether it's uh, Reddit goers, um, Reddit forum uh, subscribers having a go. They are correcting a, a market imbalance. So, you know, GameStop shares probably were t- too high. They certainly were, <laughs> certainly were after after this episode. But I mean, if you well, look at, you, the, look, you, look at yeah. you look at the share price generally uh, in uh, in the US. I mean, the, the market is overvalued, surely. So, it has to be brought back down somehow. But this this was actually going the opposite yeah, direction. direction, exactly. Yeah, to try yeah, and to okay. try. Yeah, because they were because they were taking on the short sellers, exactly. But the, yeah, so you yeah. could say, well, the short sellers, uh, which I think is sort of my point, the short sellers are actually doing some good. They were trying to bring the values back down again. Yeah, well, I mean, what they were looking at was a company which was, was losing money. I mean, it's, it's what's it called? GameStop. Stop. Yeah. Interesting combination rather than Game Shop, GameStop. Uh, and it was literally starting to stop because, mm. no, for a start, it was going down anyway because people were buying their games online. Mm. Uh, so you didn't actually need a physical retailer to go to unless you wanted to buy, you know, extra little, little um, uh, R2-D2 widgets to well, put around. Well, you're not entirely sure. Yeah. I mean, they were just on that. I mean, you can get back to your point. Yeah. But on that, I mean, people are still buying discs. I mean, the fact that, you know, the latest Sony PlayStation, they're selling many more units where they've got a disc drive. And part of the reason is that because you've still got to give presents to people. Otherwise, you know, you've got to, it's got to be something you can buy for your kids otherwise you'll just be giving them money and then you know Christmas is just Christmas is just going to be a period of CD ROM or a, a, yeah, with yeah. the CD yeah okay. with the CD yeah so kids are still using them a DVD yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, but, but anyway, well, but I mean, so the, but your point is that they, this company was, by and large, losing value, though. So yeah, um, and it's losing hmm. money, and then and but, but it, apparently it also it wasn't losing as much money as the Wall Street mob thought. I mean, apparently it's still hmm. getting a reasonable cash flow, um, but of course the pay, the the, the pandemic uh, gave it a good kick in the proverbials. Uh, which damaged its cash flow again because people weren't going out to buy anything, let alone games. Yeah. So that that then meant that they're looking at it and saying, well, it's got to continue going down. So we'll buy it now and buy it back later at a cheaper price, and then make a profit propping the difference. And that's meant that they're exposed. They were they were short selling. And one thing which I I just, I, I haven't looked into this deeply enough to know whether it's true or false, but I saw that there were more shares short sold than they actually were in existence apparently. yeah 130% yeah, yeah. yeah now that's, exactly so they're over, yeah. completely overexposed themselves so they deserved some sort of reaction to that didn't they so again you could say yeah, well, well okay that's yeah. the, that is the market reacting somebody oversteps the mark someone picks them up on it and uh, things come out in the wash well the, this is this is what where it got to be real fun because when you have um, 
people who've taken a position in a company which is correct. I mean, this is Keynes's comment about uh, there's no point buying a share uh, which you properly believe is going to be worth 40 in the near future uh, when the market believes it's actually going to be worth 20 mm. in the near future, okay? Um, so you, and he called it a, a beauty contest where you, you're not trying to find the most beautiful woman or, or the person that most people think is the most beautiful person. You're trying to find the person that most people think other people will think is the most beautiful person. That was his uh, madness of the third degree uh, from the <laughs> Economic <laughs> Journal in 1937. So what you've got going on is precisely this sort of contest. And once the hedge funds had taken up this position expecting the share price to fall, then they were exposed to anything which might drive the share price higher. Mm. And, and this is one of those classic bull versus bears where the bull, bulls and bears don't care who's right. They care, who's, care who wins. And if you find somebody who's locked into a short position and you believe you can bring enough buying volume to drive the price above the price they thought that they paid for by that stock, therefore they're losing money, uh, then if you continue driving it, the more the higher you drive the price, the more they've got to lose. And then at some point, the people who have sold it short have to buy it, uh, which yeah. adds to the price rise because otherwise they get screwed having to pay an even higher price, and price later. Exactly. That's, and and, and mm. that's, we certainly saw that happen. Mm. Uh, so hedge funds absolutely desperately trying to re- recover their positions by buying before it was uh, even worse than it was already. But mm. the, the, the regulator in the US uh, is uh, more concerned about Robin Hood. I mean, they don't see anything wrong with what GameStop, uh, the, the way the, the Reddit forum workers, you know, uh, uh, subscribers all work together. It's not collusion. It's just sharing of information. And they don't see any problem mm-hmm. with that. What they're more concerned about is uh, is the retail platforms like the Robin Hood app, which stopped uh, the buys when they saw the price getting out of hand. Mm. Robin Hood, uh, they're saying, well, the question is, why did they do that? And, uh, you know, the speculation that actually they're basically they just didn't have the liquidity to support it. Because when you because um, when somebody trades. You've got to have a, a, a de- the, the, you've got to have a deposit to satisfy the clearinghouse that's going to deal with those trades, and you can't use the money that uh, you've got from your retail investors. So if you get lots of people buying uh, for the clearinghouse to accept the trades, you've got to have enough cash. I guess it's mm. a bit like bank deposits, isn't it? Really, uh, and uh, and when you get a massive increase in the number of, of sales, and you don't have the, uh, the the cash to support it, the d- deposits support it, and the clearinghouse isn't going to support you. And uh, you know, and and, th- and then they go back, and the um, the clearinghouse says, "Well, okay, we're going to increase. You know, when we see volatility, we're we're going to increase the deposit requirement, which they did, like massively, like tenfold." And so uh, Robinhood just couldn't meet that requirement. They didn't have the liquidity, even though, of course, they deny it, which, of course, they would deny it because they don't want people to feel like they, uh, they're they not a, a platform of substance. So I yeah. think that's – so in the end, then you have to go back to uh, to the bigger players. So, Walt, you know, so here you have, a, you know, interesting, you've got a, a, an app that's starting up trying to provide another retail platform, but by and large, it's not working because of scale. It's another example. Wall Street always wins. 
Yeah, I mean, you need an enormous amount of money to play these games. And when you've got hedge funds that have got, you know, work opening literally with trillions, some of them with trillions of dollars under management, then they can they can handle these calls on individual shares because they've already got different positions on a wide range of shares. But Robin Hood, apparently, I mean, I haven't, I haven't even looked at the app. I must actually you know, mm. may, maybe sign up for the sheer fun of it and see how it works. But apparently, it, it basically says we don't charge you to trade. And therefore, you have people coming in uh, to take advantage of it who, who would be normally excluded by any trading, any any charge for trading on being there in the first place. But equally, it means that they don't have uh, a large capital base. So it was very easy. Uh, the success of the of the Robin Hooders uh, underdid Robin Hood because Robin Hood <laughs> ran out of merry men fundamentally. <laughs> um, so, um, it, it, and then of course they were complaining about it and saying we've been shafted. But uh, it, it, it's it's again the whole thing is predicated on putting somebody in a position where they're going to be unable to fulfil their their side of a bargain. Well, I guess it's a bit like big banks versus small banks, isn't it? In that they, if you've if you've got a, an equal number of stocks being bought and sold, then they don't need a big deposit uh, for clearing houses. They just, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit like if you've got a, a, a bank where you've got an equal number of p- people putting money into the bank as, as you have taking it out, uh, then you don't need to go to Reserve Bank or other banks to uh, for funds. But the moment it all goes in one direction, which is what happened here, then then you're in trouble. Mm. Whereas the bigger players obviously can manage that more because uh, it's, it's all a question of scale. Yeah. But I think the people who managed to get those positions before the uh, Robin Hood shut the door uh, could have done very well from the combination of the price they bought in and the price they can sell out. The question is whether they actually go ahead and sell, Mm. um, you know, whether they actually turn those paper profits into real profits. Because one of the things I see people doing in the stock market all the time is they treat these things as if they're cash. And, you know, I'm worth X because that's what the, the, if I multiply the price share currently goes for by the number of shares that I own, that's what I'm worth. But you've got a the very act of you trying to realise that is going to have an impact on the market if you're substantial. Yeah. And, and that's what's happening now. Yeah, because you can't sell them all simultaneously for the, for, for the one price. So, hmm. but how do you feel generally, the idea that you've got companies like Robinhood and then you've got people like those subscribers on the Reddit forum? Is this the democratization of, uh, of share trading or is it a bit of a pipe dream? Is it, is it good? You know, are they going to be successful? Is, is it a battle? Do they see it as a, I mean, clearly the, the, the Redditors see it as a battle between uh, themselves and, and Wall Street. I'm not quite sure where Robin Hood sits in this they're probably just looking for an, for an opportunity to get a slice of the pie but is this generally yeah. a, all a step in the right direction no like I, 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 I with a step in the right direction would be eliminating the dominance of speculation on the market not dragging more people into it mm, mm. And, and and so from my point of view this this is exploiting a uh, a, a weakness in the system and particularly doing it by having zero cost trades so people can you know they, they, there's no deposit requirement that, that slows down how much they can lever what the money they've got I've heard I have heard of quite a number of people getting into Robin Hood and using their credit cards to get their initial cash level that's that's what scares me that sort of behavior yeah. so the, the last thing I want to see is is more financial speculation I'm quite happy to see pr- product speculation and funding of people who are doing product speculation, but this has got bugger all to do with that. And you'd have to assume that a lot of people have got their fingers burnt, you know, that they have, uh, they've bought in because they've been, you know, almost told to, you know, or suggested that it would be a good thing to buy into because, hey, we're going to take on the hedge funds. So they buy in, they see the prices rising and rising and rising. 
obviously some of those people will have been buying at the top only to see it coming crashing down again yeah, well, it's pipe. I mean, if you have somebody who's, you know, they, they say the price has gone from a hundred to a thousand, which is the sort of price level you, you, you that's in the in the realms of possibility of this one, yeah. and they buy in at the thousand, expecting it to go to two thousand, and it goes back down to nine hundred again, uh, they can have their capital completely wiped out. Then they get a margin call if they've got a margin account at all, and that wipes them out. So yes, there'll be quite a few people who thought they're going to make a fortune out of this that are get, they're getting creamed just because they bought in at the wrong in the wrong time in the trend when it was going to you know they bought it as it was going up, and after they bought it goes down and they're, they're wiped. So hence the regulator is looking more at Robinhood than anything to do with Reddit. So um, although you know you'd, you'd have to be looking at Reddit as well and thinking because uh, who knows the people who were on that Reddit forum who said buy in buy in, obviously those people uh, bought in early and had everyone follow them. I mean they you know they may be saying we're taking on Wall Street, but actually they will have come out of this quite nicely. Oh yeah, I mean the, the people the, the, I've seen claims that people have been making you know, making a billion out of this sort of trade. I mean, it's more likely that people like Michael Berry, who took a position and and rode with the wave as it went ahead, that did it rather than the the, the main street people. But quite a few main street people would have turned ten thousand into a hundred. Uh, by the process and then of course you'd ask more people to come in and if it works if more people come in and what do we call that we call that a ponzi scheme yeah well we do so and and, but how do you stop that happening then i I mean because it's difficult to prove isn't it i mean you know you can go back to the source of all of this and the guy behind it who's now sitting pretty would say no 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 you know my my motive was to to take on the uh the the hedge funds because i knew that uh that they'd have a margin squeeze out of all of this so they have a a short squeeze out of all of this and you know it looked you know, that happened so they got that, that it's just a, it's just a coincidence that alongside that i seem to have bought a very nice house out of all of this <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it a ponzi scheme literally speaking is has, has somebody in the middle who's manipulating either end and promising huge returns um which are all financed by giving the next person in half the deposit given by the previous person uh so that's that's not what's going on here but what you have got is something that only works uh, while that price continues going in one direction. And the only way to make sure it keeps on going in one direction is to continue piling in. Um, now, of course, uh, that, the, the danger that, that that brings is that if all the short, all the short sellers, who are, you know, the genuine short sellers are in there thinking the share price was going to go down, so all your Merrill Lynch's and so on, have actually been forced into buying in instead and closing out their short position, then you're going to get to a point where the entire basis for the high valuation of the stock is the people who bought in to squeeze the short squeeze at short sellers, but there are none left. Mm. So as soon as people think, well, let's actually now try to realise the price I've got, uh, the gain I've made out of this, then they're selling into a market where there are effective, the only buyers are more people who believe that it's going to go continue going up now if it starts going down there are no bars at all and you get a total plunge a total collapse and that's what we've seen you know it hasn't gone all the way down but it's happened several times in the in the, in the dynamic so far i i'm i'm having difficulty sort of imagining uh where the, the the brain power behind all of this was thinking that these prices could go up and be sustained that, that seems to be in the question is that, you know, the second part of the equation, the first part is if we can push the price up, then it's, it's going to uh, hurt the hedge funds who are betting on the price going down because they're going to have to recover their positions mm-hmm. and it, it can destroy them. But no one seems to have, you know, they don't seem to have thought about the second part of that is once it once it's aspired to this, these dizzying heights, what happens next? It's it, well, the I mean, price is it, obviously going to come. Maybe you and I haven't been following it closely enough to know 
on that front. But I mean, there's, there's some people who are you know, part of the Patreon audience out there. Like, hey, Craig, uh, Craig might have was, a better idea. Yeah, what was <laughs> what was part B to this, Craig? Tell us. Well, part, tell part, us. part B, part B could well be that um, they knew this was going to happen at some point, and part of the strategy, as well as buying in, what you're trying to do is, is force the short the short sellers to buy in in a short squeeze, and there are two two elements to the short squeeze: the short squeeze with the shares and the short squeeze with options as well. And then at one point you realise, okay, you've taken them out. Now get the hell out of there. Uh, so there has to be an exit strategy as well as an entrance strategy. And I would like to hear from Craig and a few others who do this. What the exit strategy was. Whether there was one and and whether it was widely discussed and whether people who came in afterwards just didn't realise there was an exit strategy as well as an entrance one and they came in after everybody else had gone for the exits. Yeah, well, it was started at 88. It finished around 470 to 500. So if you bought at 88 and then all of a sudden... uh, Factor of five. Yeah, yeah, factor of five. I'm more to the point. If you bought at 400 and uh, and then it went up to five, um, and uh, now it's getting down to 100. Uh, how do you account for your losses? What do you, how to, what do, you do next? Yeah. So well, that's, the thing. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's one reason they have, one legitimate reason to have limits and, and require people to be what they call sophisticated investors uh, because they're trying to keep people out who are doing the bellboy thing of throwing their life savings at a speculative stock. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. How do you, because obviously the regulator is interested in this because they've got to try and figure out how you handle this sort of thing. Mm. I mean, it's easy for the hedge funds and and, and, uh, and Wall Street because they're, they're already saying it. You know, we're going to use artificial intelligence or, 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 or tools that are going to enable us to monitor all of these forums and, you know, look for keywords to, it's just another part of, I mean, they're looking at everything, aren't they? So it's just something else they look at when they're determining what they do with their money. But the little guy who's using these apps, how are they protected, almost protected? And they, they're going to hate. We're, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but they, they need help being protected from themselves, don't they? And how, what does the SED, uh, SEC do about that? Well, there are some people in there. And again, this is going on, on, on feedback from Craig and others uh, in a couple of discussions I have off, off Patreon. Um, there are some very, very bright people involved in that Reddit discussion, and they really did know what they were doing. And they're, tar- they're looking for a whole range of areas where they can take on short sellers and, and do them in, mm. uh, given, given the market volume and, 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 the, and so on. But there are other people who see it and all oh, that. That's, and there's no, you know, there's no way that I believe that Robin Hood discerns between people who fit into that category and others who think I've got to pay next uh, next month's uh, house insurance or house mortgage I can't afford to or I'll take a bit of money in the credit card, put it in Reddit, ride the wave and come out and pay my mortgage and then bang, it goes the opposite direction and they've got to sell the car as well as sell the house. Mm. Um, and, and we have seen, I believe, I don't know, I won't say it out loud, but a couple of, you know, fairly fatal events may have may have come out of people who bought in at the wrong time on this naive investor side of things. So uh, it is going to cause the regulators to say, well, we have to you know, put some limits on this stuff because the fact that Robin Hood doesn't require people to pay money to make a trade has made this much, much more widespread than it would otherwise be. Well, the, re- the restraint on Robin Hood has been there, the, you know, the extent of their own liquidity, hasn't it? That's been the, mm. uh, that's, I guess that's the the ultimate constraint. But we do know over this last year, uh, there has been a, a, a big increase generally in retail investments in the uh, in the share markets in America. The last time we saw it happening to that extent was when everyone got into the uh, dot-com companies. Mm. There's a huge amount of naivety there. I was involved in, in one of them. We've got a bit of time. I'll tell you about it in a second. But, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. are, we seeing, are we seeing the same thing happening again? And uh, could that mean we have another dot-com bomb? 
Well, I mean, this is the and the broad, other, and a broader the, context, uh, obviously. I think when we're talking about the retail investors driving up the market, the real uh, speculator that's driving up the market is the Federal Reserve and its companions around the world with quantitative easing because the yeah. whole objective of QE, and you can literally quote Bernanke on this, uh, was to drive up share prices to give people a wealth effect out of which they consume more and that would stimulate the economy. Yeah. So I summarised that in the first line of the new, you know, the new economics new manifesto. It was a theory about how we can get the uh, economy going again by making the wealthy wealthier. Yeah, well, so, Friedman you know, was very much behind that, wasn't he? Uh, in his thinking, it's um, but and, and and a lot of that are they are the retail investors because we've seen this big increase in uh, in savings in this K shaped recovery that we've seen where you've mm. either you've either kept your job and uh, I'm wondering what you're going to spend your money on, so you've got a bit of savings, or you're absolutely destitute. Those people on the upward side of the K have saved a great deal and they want to want to do with their money. So they are putting it into shares. And uh, uh, so it's not just it's, it, it's not just quantitative easing. It's just that it's also the fact that there's increased savings because people haven't got anything to spend their money on. But, it, but it's also with, I mean, a lot of that increase in valuation has come from, uh, you know, with QE and you, you're buying the bonds off the, off the financial sector. The financial sector gets additional reserves that don't earn any income. So they're going to try to put it into income earning uh, assets and mm. and that's what's making people uh, literally wealthier. Who, if you own shares, so um, we've got we've got a market which has been overvalued by um, pretty much the growth. What used to be called the Greenspan put, the promise that the central banks will make sure shares don't fall. So therefore, the makes sensible thing is to, to pile onto shares. And now we're seeing levels of share prices, which I know they're higher in terms of in terms of the the. Um, uh, capital, the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio of, of Schiller, higher than 1929, higher than 2007. The only uh, period that they're not higher than is the 2000 dot com bubble. Uh, so that, that's that's the overall milieu in, in which retail investors have jumped in through Robin, Robin Hood as well. And mm. it, it makes for an incredibly volatile system. It could mean that, you know, some of the flash crash stuff we saw beforehand is going to uh, happen again not just at the um, large uh, hedge fund level, but also at the level of retail speculators. So it is. So it is all just that. There's obviously too much demand. You know, as you say, from 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 banks that uh, uh, have uh, have now got to spend money uh, in other ways because they're they're not holding bonds, which were seen as a secure form of income. So they've got to look for more volatility. So they go for so they go for shares. And then mm-hmm. those retail investors are also going for shares. So collectively, they're all pushing the price up. I mean, if there was just something else, oh, well, there's property, <laughs> which is also going up. But if there was something else that people could do with their money rather than putting it into shares and property. And look, you know, I know the pressure because my wife is perpetually telling me that uh, we need to do more to get a passive income. And I hate that expression. Uh, you know, we don't come to blows over it because I tend to walk out the room. She's bigger than I'm, you are. Yeah, okay, <laughs> well, she's not bigger than I am, but she's... Um, I mean, but don't, she, don't repeat that to her. I mean, she's stronger than you. Okay? <laughs> what are you saying about my wife? Uh, I know. But, yeah. uh, but no, this idea of passive income to me, I don't know. I, I, I'm a North of no. England lad, and I get the idea that you should work for a living rather exactly. than just having money flowing in. But I mean, that, mm. is, the, that is the mentality. Uh, and Make so your money what, work for you type. Nonsense, yeah. yeah. And but that's I mean, what leads to this, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what leads to this. But if there's in somewhere else where people could put the money, where which wasn't which wasn't shares and uh, and isn't property and might actually be helping the planet as well, for example, I mean, what would that be? Well, that's that's one reason that I would uh, like to see us harnessing crowdfunding 
uh, for entrepreneurs in the future because, you know, I mean, I've learned a lot. I, I, my first indulgence in crowdfunding was to raise money for Minsky back when I got shafted by the University of Western Sydney and couldn't get government re- research funding money anymore, not that I ever had. Uh, but I did the Kickstarter campaign for Minsky back in 2012 and, you know, 78,000 raised that way, but about 100,000 all up. And, and that to me was the, was the, the wisdom of crowds. And I'm, I've now supported, I think, about 30 or 40 different crowdfunding ventures. Maybe three or four have actually come through with some solid product at the end. Uh, but it, I'm happy yeah, that's to you know, indulge. That's, that's benevolence. Huh? I mean, people aren't That's necessarily- benevolent, yeah. But, but I would like to have the, like, I would like, people worry about the government wasting money and the government picking winners and stuff like that. Why not just let the government have the money creation capability and give people money that has to be mm. used on on crowdfunding, otherwise it doesn't... Right. Separate issue, though. We're know. talking about people who've got a bit of cash and want mm. to hang want to hang on to that, don't know what to do with it, basically. They want to hang on to it. It's not, it's not doing anything in a bank, so they put it into shares because they think they're going to see a better return from it. But if you were to say, well, okay, you're probably not going to get a better return, it is a bit risky. What else do you do with it? So, I mean, for example, I've, I've put mine into premium bonds <laughs> because it gives premium me no... Bonds. Re- yeah. it's, so, premium bonds in the in the UK are... Um, it's basically managed by the uh, by either the central bank or the treasury. Anyway, whoever. Uh, mm. Basically, you hold, well, you, it's, it's like government bonds, in effect, but they don't pay any interest. Uh, you can take them back whenever you want, but all the rather than paying interest, they, they have a draw every month, and you could win. Oh, you mentioned that, yeah. You yeah. could win a million pounds, perhaps, hasn't happened so far, but it doesn't matter because I can get the money back. So rather than sitting mm. anywhere, it's, it saves me gambling. It's, it's the closest I get to gambling, uh, but it's somewhere else for me to park my money. But um, mm. but there's a lack of vehicles for people, and this is the problem, isn't it? What do you do with your cash where your money is safe or, you know, relatively safe? Um, that's an alternative to driving up the stock market or driving up property prices, and that is the problem, isn't it? There's nowhere to go. Well, that's the trouble. There shouldn't be somewhere to go. <laughs> but what I mean, you, in, in, but, in terms of if, if income, if you want to make an income without without risking it, then there should be no such thing, and and there is no such thing. You've got to take some sort of risk. Hmm. Um, but it's it's people trying to find some way of you know getting a positive return out of out of a out of their stock of stock of money. Right. Um, so so what we should be doing is getting people to invest in. New ventures, rather, which than, is why I come back to the, yeah. the, 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 you know, the some way of of, of letting people become not, uh, you know, short squeezes and 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 uh, part of the whole bulls and bear hassles on the stock market, but finding a way that they can pull money into entrepreneurial ventures that actually come into something worthwhile. And mm. in that case, even even if it doesn't come through, you sort of think, well, I've still helped. You know, there's been some research gone done that may may be beneficial further down the track. So um, I'm hoping that that's what I would rather see people doing. And then you know, you know, that you, you might not be getting your money back. You may do well if you happen to pick the next Elon Musk, then you may do well out of that. Mm. Um, but uh, overall, it's, it's not something people are trying to get a huge amount of profit for, um, for just simply speculating and gambling, which is what the stock market really amounts to. So people who don't know what to do are often, uh, do, you know, because it is a full-time job working, trying to understand the, the stock market and try and pick winners and losers anyway, uh, they tend to manage funds. And you'd argue, I, I suspect, that, you know, if you're putting money into managed funds, then 
you're still driving the the share market higher uh, than perhaps it would be otherwise. But and you know you're giving more money to to Wall Street and the finance sector or to the city because the finance sector is clipping the ticket on all on all those trades. And they've got, the finance sector has got enough money as it is. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I've seen similar comments about this particular bubble, that the big big winners, some of the retailers have done very well, but the big winners were people who, in the, the people in the Michael Berries of the world who'd taken a similar position against the short sellers and, and rode the wave with a lot more money and probably sold out um, long before the retail investors did. So again, this is, we're having a discussion about the bellhop share recommendations. Yeah. All right. So it's interesting that... Um uh, you know, the conclusion seems to be, well, apart from the fact that we do need to look at the structure of how, how people invest and try and drive people more to the to the primary market than the secondary market. Right? And I was surprised by your point that, uh, you know, uh, apps like Robinhood are not necessarily a good thing because it just drives more people into that market and uh, people who perhaps don't really know what they're doing. So they, they, they stand to lose more. And it's also it's a waste of brain power. I mean, gambling mm. over whether a you know a, a company which is going to fold, whether you can screw people who who uh, who are betting on it folding uh, in the process and make money out of it, and you get a nice little adrenaline hit along with a, mm. a large amount of money. Um, you know, I just I just see it ultimately as a very wasteful use of the human mind. Yeah, and these are smart people as well, aren't they? Who tied up in this? I mean, that oh. is a really good point. Maybe if they were trying to uh, tackle problems like how we deal with climate change and uh, some of the bigger issues for mankind, maybe uh, uh, we could have more positive outcomes. A uh, good point to leave it on. Good to talk, Steve. Good. Yep. Catch you again next week. Okay. Yep. 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 Okay. And uh, now look, next week here we are going to look at degrowth. This is going to be an interesting one. We've got used to degrowth over the last year, uh, and perhaps we need to get used to more of it if we are to tackle the problems of climate change do we just need to keep on behaving like we have over the last year to solve the problem uh, we'll look at that uh, next week on the debunking economics podcast with professor steve keen i'll be back then too i'm phil dobby thanks for listening see you next week hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.